Internet, this episode is brought to you by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse, curly hair and sensitive skin. Enjoy smoother, clearer skin with Bevel. Let me tell you something. It's the holiday time. Ain't no better gift than to give your significant other, your father, your mother, or your cousin, the mailman, whoever, a Bevel. For a limited time, get 20% off your next shipment with Bevel. Check out getbevel.com forward slash Pete. The promo will be automatically applied at checkout. That's getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Again, one more time. That's getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Thank me later. Cheer. Internet, we back at it with another episode. And before we start this episode, let me tell you something. I am so, I want to send a humongous shout out to my moms and pops. They just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. It was amazing. Let me tell you something. As, 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 as a, you know, a, a child of theirs, man, it was really amazing to see uh, them go to the church, renew their vows, and then party. Um, I was able to make a, a real nice speech and, and, and real, really let them know how much I love them. But more importantly, how much I appreciate what they did. Like, it's weird because I feel like marriage is, is, is I, you won't see many 50 years anymore. Um, you know, it's funny cause I look at it like I was married for two years. I feel like a failure versus my parents, but you know, it, it, it's a special bond and I feel like it's what you create. You know, you don't go to marriage school. You don't go to parenting school. There's no book or there's no manual, but there are 50 years created moments. And I always say like, you know, the, the memories that are created is what everything means. So I want to shout out my mom and pops for their 50th wedding anniversary. I'm so glad that they're, I'm here to celebrate it with them. More importantly, just having them around. It's, uh, you know, one of the things I said in the speech was thank you for being a, a support system. I grew up, uh, been up and down in life and really have seen so many different things. And, 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 and people I've seen that didn't have a support system uh, most of the times didn't make it. So I'm thankful. I believe in family. I believe friends become family. And I'm thankful for all that. Internet, you know what time it is when I tell you to open up your Twitter, uh, open up your Instagram, grab, grab your phone, your laptop, whatever it is, and check the fuck in, okay? At Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show. Let me know where you're listening from. Listen, shouts to people worldwide, okay? I'm super thankful, super blessed that every week when I tell y'all to check in, I see I see Russia on the check-in, I see Tokyo on the check-in, I see Italy on the check-in, Detroit, uh, Buffalo, Chicago, uh, Philly, Brooklyn, New York. Well, listen, all internet's all over. Check in. Let me know what you're listening to. Let me know what's going on. Don't be shy. At Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show. And I also, I want to say shouts to everybody who sent me an email. I don't say things just to, just to say them. There's a lot, and I need to continue to get to them. But I always say, <clears throat> what. You know, I want to give people a chance to, if you have questions about, you know, starting your own podcast or a network or or whatever it is. Let me tell you, I I want to be very clear. I don't always, I always, I live by the motto of make more moves, make less announcements. But I do a lot of different things. I'm not just a podcaster, okay? I strive to have my hands to work with multiple brands in the food world, in the streetwear world, in everything, okay? Producing uh, do, do, doing full production work on podcasts. We're working on a couple of documentaries right now. Shit, what the, I just said make more moves, make less announcements. Now I'm over here talking all this shit. Internets, I've been through a lot of things in life. And I always say you're nothing if you can't do something for somebody else or the people around you. And considering Premium Petro listeners are people around me, okay? If you're going through something, if you're going through a divorce, if you have a question about whepremiumpetro at gmail.com. 
Again, that's thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Email me. I'll get back to you. There's a bunch I got back to. There's a bunch I need to get back to. Okay? But I will get back to you. And I, again, I wouldn't say email me if I didn't want you to. I would just say don't fucking email me or I just wouldn't even bring it up. Okay? But uh, you know what else I want to do before we get into this week's episode? I do want to say, I always say this and I'm going to say it again because there's never enough of saying it. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. Okay? I always put that on my Twitter. I always put that on my Instagram, at Premium P, at Premium P Show. I always put, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. And good, people need to hear that more often. Just because, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes you may have a good day, sometimes you may have a bad day. Don't think too much into it, man. It's a balance. You got to find a happy medium. It's not what somebody else's happy medium. It's going to be yours. So find what makes you happy. Find a balance, okay? Because nothing's ever going to be perfect. If you're trying to be perfect, you're going to die trying to be perfect. It's not going to happen. Find something that makes you happy, okay? And I also want to say, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is cracking right now. The Premium Pete Show. Some of your favorite episodes, full episodes, are up there. You can watch it. Subscribe. Uh, leave a comment rate, tell a friend, whatever it is. And also, when, for the audio side, go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, subscribe, rate, leave a comment there. It helps us. If you're fucking with a show, rate, subscribe, leave a comment, okay? Don't forget about that. Now, before we get to this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show, I want to tell you about this. It's with the one and only, the legendary Curtis Blow, okay? Talking about these are the breaks. Let me tell you, you know what's funny? I, 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 I Googled something and 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 Curtis was on the Soul Train so many years ago. I mean, he was just listen. I always say this, and I say this in the beginning of the, uh, of the show. Uh, Hip hop is a puzzle, and Curtis Blow is, is one of the uh, big pieces of the puzzle. You know, and and just the success he had, and the first of many, first of many things in hip hop, and traveling the world, and you know, meeting Prince and. James Brown and, and, and Aretha Franklin. and it, it, Listen, okay, internet, hip-hop history, hip-hop historian. And we got our guy Rocky from the uh, uh, Hip-Hop Museum that's going to be coming to uh, uh, the Bronx in, I think, 2021 or 2020. Uh, but internet, listen, say no more, okay? The one and only, the legendary, I present to you the Curtis Blow episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClan, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internets. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Yo, I'm Curtis Blow. I bet you didn't know I bust these type of flows. I've been bumping since you was a youth of minor. On TV and touring Europe and China. I bet you couldn't find a equivalent to the originator on any side of the equator. I'm not stating that I'm greater, but I fade a crew or two. The KBLOW. So what you gonna do? I came through to make it hot for y'all. Dopest MC I bet you ever saw. No drama. Ask your mama. 
just in case you all forgot. About to hit you with the old school shoe shot and hot to rock a spot like hip hop. The hip hop, the hip it, hip, hip hip hop. You don't stop. Rockin' to the bang bang boogie. Say up jump the boogie to the bo- bo- boogie the boogie. The one and only Curtis Bow. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting down here with a, uh, let me tell you something. When you think about this thing called hip hop, okay? There, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a puzzle, Curtis. It's okay. a puzzle. And when it's all said and done, you're a big piece of that puzzle. Oh, thank you. That's a, no, that, 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 that's real talk, man. This is a puzzle. And, you know, maybe we put this piece of the puzzle has Cool Hurt. This piece of the puzzle has Chuck D. Right. You know, this piece of the puzzle has Heavy D. Right, right, right. B-I-G. You, you understand? That's a great analogy, you man. Know? You know, you got you to gotta actually put the puzzle together to get the full picture mm, mm. of the creation, the genesis yeah, of the birth. There's already a dropping drums. What the hell's going on here? Listen, Curtis, you were born <laughs> in Harlem. Harlem zone, right? Yes, yes. A uh, place called Harlem is my home. Where about? And, Where about in Harlem? Uh, up next to City College, uh, actually 140th Street. You know, I live 10 blocks, a half a mile South, I mean, north of Cool Modi. Oh, really? You know, where he said 129th Street, yeah. Convent. I'm 140th Street in Convent. Now, so. did you have a relationship at a young age or later well, on? Well, we knew each other before records. Um, um, we have some mutual friends. Um, I have a B-boy buddy. His name is Billy Bill. Billy Bill actually went on to become one of my greatest writers. He wrote basketball and 8 million stories, games people play, hard times. You know, my buddy from back in the days, right? We were breakdancers at at teenagers. And um, so he introduced me to Greg and Charlie, who lived on that block, 130th Street. And that's where I met uh, Kumo D and Spade 130. He's a great uh, legendary graffiti mm, artist mm, from mm. that neighborhood as well. Also, um, The Treacherous Three, sure. you know, L.A. Sunshine. Sure. You know, I, I actually went to elementary school with his older brother. Really? His older brother and my older brother were, were friends. You know, it's so funny when you mention all that shit. It's like so much. Like That just shows how much culture New York City has. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about graph. You mm-hmm. talk about b-boy. You talk about hip-hop. Right. Like, think about all the fucking shit that you're talking about that was happening at that time. Right. You know, now it's like, I, I actually, before we started the show, I was like, yo, wait, you said you're living in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, as a young kid living in Harlem. Right. Did you ever think that you'd get that sunshine in L.A. to be shining on your mor- when you wake up in the morning? Honestly. Man, it, w- it was a dream. It was just a dream. I'm going to tell you, you know, back in those days, we just wanted to have fun. It was something that we wanted to do to pass the time away because there were so many other things in our hood, in our society sure. that was like plaguing the the kids during that time. You know, we had the, the drug wars of Frank Lucas mm, mm, mm. and Nicky Bonds and, and all of that. Did you, and ca- then, did you come across them? Oh, man, come on. These guys. Allegedly. I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't know what the statute limit is. Uh, you know, <laughs> Curtis Poe was a runner with Nicky Bonds. You know, I went to elementary school with the sons of Frank Lucas. I'm mm. thinking they still deny that they're his sons. But Gregory <laughs> Lucas, Reggie Lucas, wow. and Dewan Lucas were in my elementary school. And I remember these guys. 
And 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 there was a guy named Gregory Lucas who was the star of the basketball team, and all the girls loved him. They had these big afros. They were half Puerto Rican and half black, mm-hmm. and the girls loved them. And they, I always wondered, why do they dress so nice? Mm. Why? Because mm. their dad had a whole lot of money. Mm. But um, these guys are still denying that they're his sons. You know, when <laughs> the, the Lucas family, man, you know, when you look back at Harlem and you look yeah. back at your young, you know, is there certain memories that stick with you forever? <clears throat> a lot of a lot of uh, bad memories, uh, a lot of good memories. Yes. But memories, nonetheless, um, I would love to talk about the good ones. Yeah, sure. Uh, of course, just being around in my neighborhood and, you know, growing up with all of the the people in the hood you know how they say it takes a whole neighborhood to raise a child Sure, absolutely so that's what it was growing up and those are the fun times you know walking up the block from convent avenue to amsterdam mm-hmm. avenue and everybody on the block is hey little kurt hey hey how you doing you know it's just togetherness real love and 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 you know just just togetherness and unity sure, sure. now what did moms do did you well my moms? mom my mom actually was a very very hard worker she was my inspiration my mom was my everything uh she was an avid fan of music as a matter of fact and i remember going to the record stores you know back in the day the record stores had speakers outside of the record store and they were just blasting you know all day long and we would go every week i remember going every friday and reading the charts for her. I think I learned how to read by reading the charts, you know, the top 10 songs for that record store, right? And my mom had to stay up. She had to get the top 10 records every week. Mm. And that was her thing. So she loved the Motown sound. She loved um, all of the greats, man. Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson, mm. you know. Classic. And I'm I'm growing up, and I'm I'm like... James Brown, I'm his, I'm his biggest fan, right? Sure, That's sure. my hero. And I'm like, Mom, James Brown, he's the bad, he's the bad. Oh, look, look, you ain't seen Jackie Wilson yet. Mm-hmm. Look at Jackie Wilson, all right? We used to have these little debates and stuff like that because she's, she used to say, oh, I don't like the way he screams, you know? <laughs> and I was like, he's the greatest. But she was my inspiration. Mom was a, um, a mother taking care of two kids, two sons, by herself our stepdad left you know what about pops did you yeah pops i i had a stepdad when i was very very young i remember this guy but that's the bad part i was talking about you know did you ever meet pops ever my real dad when he was on his deathbed i met him one time when i was about four years old five years old my mom said Oh, it's your dad. He's downstairs. Come downstairs and meet your dad. I ran downstairs and ran. And he said, oh, hey, hey, how you doing there, son? Good to meet you. And um, I wanted to give you some money. Uh, here's $5. You know, I was like, uh, well, I can't I can't take it. My mom said never to accept money from strangers. Mm, mm, mm. So I never saw him again after that. Mm. But when he was on his deathbed, uh, he told all of his other sons, my half-brothers, sure. about me. And so they reached out and found me, but it was too late. He had died already. But I found out I have five half-brothers and four half-sisters. Damn. 
from my dad's side. And so I'm all in touch with them now, you know, hanging out with them. And it's a, it's a nice uh, relationship getting to know them again and everything. You know, cool. one thing I speak about a lot with a lot of different people mm-hmm. is, um, you know, when we grow up and we don't have, say, a, a, a dad around or a mom around, mm-hmm. you know, we don't realize until we get older how much that affected us. Right. You know, do, do you do you remember moments or feel the that that affected you not growing up with a dad? No. You know why? Because I had a plan for that, mm. Talk and to my me. plan was uh, to develop all of my heroes, and they would be my father. Like for instance, I had imaginary dads. Like Dr. J was my dad, mm. dude. Mm. You know, Walt, even before Dr. J, Walt Frazier, mm-hmm, okay. Clyde was my dad, right? Yeah. Uh, James Brown was my dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sam Cooke was my dad. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King was mm-hmm. my dad. Malcolm X was my mm-hmm. dad. And and I started studying them, and I wanted to become like them. Of course, you know, being smart, I didn't want to repeat the same mistakes that they made, so I learned from them. And I just, you know, mimicked a lot of their, I actually became uh, a, a summation of all of my heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's crazy. I actually never heard anyone tell me that. And, and, and the funny thing is I actually understand what the hell you're saying. You know, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, there's ways, like, I like that because I think there's ways that you could try to not let it only get to you. You know, mm-hmm. let it make you better, not bitter. You know what right. I mean? Right. And, and, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of us grew up, uh, you know, where our pops weren't around or right. our, our moms, you know, wasn't around. And, and, you know, we try to be strong and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, later on, you realize that, you know, it kind of fucked you up a little bit. You know? Right. And um, the other thing for me was that, you know, I made it my point never to do that with my children. Sure. sure. Or be better. To be so, better. You know. you know. Me too, man. You know, it's like I look at it like, you know. That's why I always, I say this every, almost every episode, but I, I have, when I had a dark time in my life and I had to restart and got in trouble and, you know, came home to be a better person, uh, I was away from my kid at a very early age. I started this movement this uh, that I call presence over presence. And I realized because a lot of like street people and a lot of people that neighborhood kids and we would think that we were taking care of our kids because we gave them some new Jordans right. or because we gave them some clothes. No. But we didn't realize that, you know, I didn't realize my daughter had $500, but in 10 years she didn't remember any of them. She only remembered the moments mm. that we hung out together. The present, pre- the presence was the be- the best gift I ever gave. And, and there's a lot of people worldwide that listen to this show um, that are living that life. You know what I mean? It's not about me. It's just right. about... Living the life, and and I like that you said that too, because you know we try to be better. They always say like, if you weren't a great father, you try to be a better grandfather. You know what I mean, right? But, or if you didn't have a father, like there's a lot of people I spoke to on the show, so many different people that say like, you know, we speak about how their father wasn't really lovable because their father wasn't lovable, right? So they what they do is that they they change that around, boom, you know, and, right. I, and I, break I, the cycle exactly, right? You know. When when was you're in Harlem? When was your first thought of like? First of all, what did you even want to be? Like, did you even know? I know you like music, you know, but what did you want to be? Well, I, I um, see. I, I I come from a group of of young kids who were sort of like gifted and talented. I don't want to like 
toot my own horn, but it was Talk a, special, about it. a special class we were in called the IGC, Intellectually mm-hmm. Gifted Children. And when I was in the third grade, I took a, a reading test and I had a 12th grade reading level and a 10th grade comprehension level. Mm. And so they put me in this class. And so I figured it out like, wow, early, at an early age, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be in life. I want to be that summation of all of my heroes. Um, I did this oral report on Malcolm X. Mm. And so before the report, we had to read the book. So I read the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. And that book changed my life. Mm. I saw how he was a guy from my same neighborhood. He 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 hustled Sugar Hill from 146th Street in Amsterdam. I'm living on 140th Street in Amsterdam Convent. And wow, this guy was just an awesome guy. So I wanted to be like Malcolm X. But I knew that he had some problems with his 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 mission. And it was where I learned at the end of his book when he took that trip to Mecca and found out all the people living together and all the people praising God together mm. and how we all could get along really was a revelation in his life that changed everything. And sorry to say, I think he was probably killed for it or sure. some other reasons. Sure. I, I don't want to go into that, but... You know, I just thought it, it it affected me how he changed his life, that part of the book. So I wanted to be that person to 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 be that unifying factor and bringing people together. I knew that there were different races out there. I knew that there were different kinds of different ages of people. We all have these generation gaps. We have these differences. We have these this uh, um um this 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 definite like it it's a barrier a blockage for us to live together like what Malcolm wanted so i i wanted to be that person trying to deliver that message that Malcolm tried at the end of his life mm. and uh sort of bring people together and say we can all you know and the other thing i wanted to be a cycle breaker boom that's it okay cycle breaker you know who who are people you listening to like you know obviously you listening to what moms was playing but what about you personally um well it all started with mom so um i remember the first album she bought for me was a sam cook album sam cook and soul stirs he was doing gospel. Mm, mm. And there's a song on there called, um, oh, my gosh. But just Sam Cooke and his voice became like, this is what I want to do. Mm. I want to be a singer. So after the years went by, in 1972, I was 13 years old uh, in eighth grade, and it was career day. So all these policemen came through. There was a lawyer who came through, all these people, <laughs> you know. Oh, you can be this, you can be that. Good and, morning, Curtis. Right. And so, and being in, in, in the gifted classes, I said, look, like, my mom's always motivated me and told me, look, with that brain, you can be anything you want to be in life, right? God bless, so for me, it was like, you know, um, 
thinking about Malcolm, thinking about, you know, uh, Sam Cooke, James Brown, Jimmy Castor. Um, you know, I wanted to become this entertainer. That was the, the mission that I wanted to follow so that I could get enough power so I could become Malcolm X. And, uh, you know, so, so, so Paul Robinson came into mind and that was a guy mm. I just wanted to do everything that he did. Now, did you, did you like have like a rhyme book? Like, did you start to like make like, were you, were you one of those kids like beating on the lunchroom desk, making beats? Like we writing things down in a rhyme book. Like how, how did you, you know, obviously the music uh, inspired you of, of what you were just saying, but you know, mm -hmm. when did you start to even put, I guess, pivot and put the, that know, was like high school, more like high school later on, 74, 75. Mm. But, um, my whole thing was like, I was, um, uh, an impersonator. I, I, used to, I used to do these incredible voices like John Wayne. Hey there, Pilgrim. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, uh, here's Paul Lynn. You never cooked me, Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but but I used to uh, mimic this radio DJ, my hero, another one of my heroes. Mm -hmm. He was on WWRL. His name was Hank Spann. Mm. Hank Spann was like incredible, but his voice was 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 he was on a couple of James Brown records, mm. as a matter of fact, too. Uh, the big payback, do this for New York. So I used to mimic him all the time. WWRL Super Sixteen. This is Hank Spann, the server. We're about as funky as a crippled crab without a crutch, <laughs> and you know that's too much, too much, too much, too much. You know, and so I used to go around the high school during that time at music and arts and uh, um, just mimicking uh, Hank Spann and, and being the DJ. Of course, I was a DJ during that time as well. And um, so that's how I got popular. That was my thing uh, before rap. So sure. uh, when rap started, you know, that was my voice. Mm. You know, that was my radio voice. And the first MCs mimic the radio DJs sure, sure. that were on the radio. Sure. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I always think of 98. For me, I always think of 98.7 voices, like when it was like late at night. Right. You know, there was like a lot of, you know, DJs that used to be like, you know, 98.7. You know, and they used to put on that voice. And I was like, okay, that's the sexy voice, man. But there was one guy on WWRL back then. That had a high voice. And really? he was very famous, too. He's still on the radio now. That's Gary Bird. Wow. The GBE. This is Gary Bird. WWRL. Super 16. <laughs> you know, just just the, the, the voice. His voice was high-pitched, but he had that radio voice. And it was different from Hank Spann. But I always liked his style of songs. He used to make these obscure records back in the days and that also motivated me. That was mm. my plan to break into the music industry and meet all the record execs be becoming a uh, a radio announcer sure. like Gary Bird and make these obscure records. He made these obscure records like he would play a song and then say something and then play another song or just a tidbit like mm. a little, you know, five seconds like uh, he would say something like mr president mr president who were you with last night 
me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones, right? So, and, and he'd do that for about three or four minutes and just bringing in songs. And these songs were so hot. They played them every hour on the radio. I said, you know, career day, 72, I'm going to be like my man Gary Bird and make these obscure records, break into the music industry and then start singing like Paul Robeson and acting and all of that stuff. So that was my plan. That's classic. You know, you're credited with being the first commercially successful rapper, right? For those who are listening who don't even know who Curtis Blow is, right? <laughs> it could be right. some. Could be some people. A whole lot. Uh, <laughs> what? Can, I got to say in, my, in the way I say, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> the first commercially successful rapper. Well, I'll tell you, um, even better than that is signed to a major label. That's right. You got a double whammy the on that. The first one signed to a major label, and that means major press. Mm, mm. That means there's a major office in every major city around the world. Mm. And me being a college student, straight out of college, I'm working the system. So I'm going to every department, getting to know the department heads. And I went to the publicity and promotions department, sat up with a lady named Beverly Page. She made me, Mm. all right? She got me a lot of stuff. The first commercial, she got me so much. She sent me around the world doing promo. I said, yo, send me everywhere. So she sent me to England, to Paris, what? France. I went now you to had to get a passport Japan. at the time, right? Yeah, I had to get a passport. I'm 19 years old, straight out of Harlem, what going to fuck? London, England. Oh, my God. And so when I get there, I get to the office. I go to the conference room. They have interviews set up from 12 to 5, five, <laughs> six hours straight. It's like a job. We talking newspapers, you know, print. We talking magazines, radio, uh, TV, television, you know, doing the TV show. So I ran the gamut with all of this, this, this big arm of, of a major label. And I worked the system. And it was very, very critical and crucial to the birth of hip-hop because that was it was documented you know this is the first time they've seen hip-hop in these places of course sugar hill has been there you know but they have a band so i'm coming up with a dj and i'm b-boying and breakdancing and giving it to them like you know straight from the bronx and it was awesome just riding around and i remember People saying stuff like, where's your band? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the end of the show, they're like, all right. Okay, oh, we, yeah. Okay. We fuck right. with it. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was nice. So that was what it really, really meant to be in the first successful artist, commercial artist. I was the first to do the first national commercial yeah. for hip hop. The Sprite. The Sprite, that's right. The Sprite. Uh, and I remember, my gosh. Must have been about 1986. I'm sitting at home with my wife and my kids, and um, the TV. We're watching the movie of the week <laughs> on ABC. And guess what's playing? Rambo. Mm, mm. Rambo is on. First time you get to see it yeah, on TV, sure. right? Classic. First commercial out of Rambo is. Sprite, tell it to a friend. We're chilling out with the taste that's in now more than ever. Now more than ever, Sprite, right? And I'm like, oh my god, this is it. This is big time. It gets no better than that. You know what I'm saying? So it was a blessing those early days. You know, being there at the right time, definitely blessing. 
you know, God. Yeah, for sure. This is very special. I remember, you know, hearing stories but with Russell Simmons, you know, uh, and, um, you know, meeting you and, and taking you all around. And do you remember those days? Yes. Russell and I were college buddies, uh, wild and crazy guy. Mm. Uh, um, this guy was very, very intelligent, though. I'll tell you that. I remember getting like you know I had a a a, a three point nine GPA. I think he was like four point two or three or something like that. This guy, I was bringing, I showed him about four of my tests, right, nineties and ninety five. He said, "Oh yeah, look at his test. He had all hundreds, all." Wow. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god! All right, buddy, let's talk." But um. Yeah, those were some wild and crazy days. But when we actually got the chance to make a record and travel, like when we went to Europe, I took Russell with me, right? Um, And so we're in Paris on the Champs-Élysées, first time. We're eating in a big, uh, expensive, incredible, awesome restaurant. And they, they have all of this seafood platter. It's the first time I ever saw a big, huge, three-tier seafood platter, mm, mm. right? Oysters, shrimp. Oysters, shrimp, yeah. clams, clams, everything. And, you know, I don't eat oysters. I, I mess with clams a little bit, so mm. I was messing with the clams and the shrimp. And Russell's just going at everything. He's right. <laughs> oh, man, the mussels. Try the mussels. I said, no, Russell, I don't eat mussels. Try them. They're great. He's sloughing <laughs> up the muscles. A half hour later, so we get we go to sound check. Half hour later, Russell is like, oh, oh, my stomach. Oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. This man, he threw up all over the whole arena. I'm talking about 2,000 seater. This guy is nonstop, nonstop. He never made the show. He stayed at the hotel. He was sick, had food poisoning. It was just a a, a horrible trip for him. Yeah. But um, my buddy, he's yeah. my buddy. Yeah, I love him, and uh, I pray for him. Yeah. I know he's going through some things now. I I I, I hope that uh, I pray for the victims that are coming forth. This Me Too movement is something else, uh, ladies. You know, the 80s were crazy. That's all I could say. And um, uh, I just thank God that um, we have survived it. And I apologize for all the ladies who have been hurt and uh, been attacked and threatened and all of that, man. It's just uh, a nightmare sort of coming back after 30 years. And, man, you know. You know, you, you compassion. You, yeah, absolutely, and prayers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you your first hit, right? My favorite. Yeah, go ahead. I want you to break that down. How the <laughs> fuck did that happen? Well, you know, a Christmas rap, man. First, let me let me just say hello to all the radio DJs around the country. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All the program directors, music directors, DJs. Man, you guys have made this song a classic. And Santa Claus. And Santa. We can't <laughs> forget you. But, you know, the real the real thing about Christmas is it's the birth of Christ, right? Sure. And so I made this song. I never knew that. I, I, I didn't think I was going to be a minister later, 20 years, uh, 25 years later, right? But, you know, just the actual 
thought of making a Christmas rap was a great, great concept. I didn't think, I didn't realize that it was going to be around so long. And this song is going to be around long after I'm gone. Sure, sure. And, and, and so I have to give thanks to J.B. Moore, who actually came up with the lyrics and the concept of making a Christmas rap song that will last and live forever. Where was that happening, Mike? Wait, wait, like, were you in a, a you know conference room, the studio? Where right. were people like? Where were y'all brainstorming for this type of shit? Like, meaning like where they came up with the lyrics? Right. So this was before Russell, and I remember going down when I first got the record deal. And okay. The producer signed me. I went down for a meeting to sit and uh, with a creative meeting. So I'm sitting in this small apartment down on 45th Street. So I take the train downtown, and I actually um, met this guy, Larry Smith. Mm, mm, mm. A young Larry Smith. Another, uh, he was a bass player and uh, a pianist, a concert pianist. Uh, His name was uh, Denzel Miller Mm. and J.B. Moore uh, and Robert Ford, the two producers, right? So they were sitting down, we were talking about doing this Christmas rap, and they were like, well, what kind of sound do you want? I was like, sound? What do you mean sound? And Larry Smith was talking to me. He said, well, your style of music, what kind of style of music? Well, who's your favorite? James Brown, right? So I, I thought about it. I was like, well, style of music, I would like my style of music to be a cross, a balance, a, a, a a uh, cross between James Brown and the hottest music, the hottest group during that time was a group called Chic. Mm. And they had Good Times out. Mm. Good right? Times. That was the Rapper's Delight song. Mm-hmm. So so I said, well, let, let me do a, 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 a style of music that's a cross between James Brown and sure. Chic. Sure. And that's when we came up with that progressive bass line, the boom, 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 boom. You know, and 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 that was important because you know it was like the style of Chic and that that rapper's delight baseline boom 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 boom. So we just simplified it and made it simpler, less is best, and just a boom 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 boom. boom. You know, and that was it. Just repeat that, and of course the James Brown guitars on sure. top. Sure, top. the influence had to be there. You know, you ever got to meet James Brown? Uh, I met him one time, my hero. I met him one time. We, I had the pleasure, the honor mm, mm. of opening a show for James what? Brown. How the fuck that? Yes, it was at the Newark Symphony Hall. Mm. James uh, Curtis Blow, Wilson Pickett, and James Brown. God damn! And I took a picture with James Brown. I, can't find it <laughs> you better check Man, on your floppy disk my hero my hero but you know i'm talking to we're working with uh the family of uh, the james brown family foundation where we're we're writing uh, and producing and, and creating a documentary really about james brown and his inspiration to hip-hop tons right tons tons then that's special that's special but so 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 you get your first hit you yes know? Um, Christmas rap. A classic. Mm-hmm. You know, Christmas rap. Come on. Yep. Even, I don't know what comes next, you know, <laughs> but I do want to say The Breaks. Yes. Is another, was that followed right exactly? It's next. The, okay. Most people, listen, you heard of the one hit of the quitters, okay? How do you follow up with another hit? 
Right. Did you? Well, you just that was God. No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying, even to this day, I don't care. You know how old the young people are. You know these are the breaks. Right. Right. Is again, that's you know part of the 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 I guess the gifted school of Curtis Blow. There you go. But 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 thank you. Um, you know, I have to give some credit to J.B. Moore mm-hmm. because actually he came to me and, um, well, he went to Russell and asked Russell. At that time, I made Russell my manager. Yes, yes. Right? And so he went to Russell and asked Russell to ask me what kind of a song would I like to do for the follow-up after Christmas rap. Because we had this special kind of deal, right? We had a deal that, it was a 12-inch deal. Like Now, if our first 12-inch sold 30,000 copies, we could make another one. True. And then if that second single sold 50,000 copies, then we could make an album. So the first song sold 370,000 copies. God right, damn. Christmas rap. So we did very well. So we're working on the next song. So they asked me what kind of song. I wanted to do a song that had a lot of breaks in it for the B-Boys mm. so they could do their thing, sure. right? And he said, wow, that's great because there's a connotation to that, meaning there's another meaning when you say breaks. It's not just the breaks in music. It's all all kinds of breaks. And I remember this song, J.B. Moore is talking to me. He said, I remember this song that came out in the 1920s. It was like a philosophy song. And the guy was like, hey, bucko, you say you lost your job and and your wife left you and, you know, your kids are sick and you know, what's going to, you're broke, you don't have it, but it's going to be okay. Tomorrow everything's going to be all right. You know, just don't worry. It's going to be okay, right? So it's like the good things and bad things that can happen to one during one's life. Sure. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, just say yeah, that's the breaks. You know what I'm saying? So that's where the the concept of the song uh, 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 came about. Sounds like some shit my mother or father was. So say, we right? have these, yeah. yeah, we have these connotation, you know, connotations, meaning sure. like like breaks on a bus, breaks on a car, breaks to make you a superstar, mm. breaks to win, breaks to lose. These here breaks to rock your shoes. So. That was the awesomeness of that song. And just taking an old hit from the 1920s and modernize it, you too will have a hit. Mm-hmm. How many copies did uh, that, that do? Yeah, so Christmas Rap, 370,000 copies. Yeah. And then the breaks, boom, 840,000 copies. It's the first certified gold mm-hmm. rap song for the history of hip-hop. As a matter of fact, the 12-inch so 840,000 copies is the first Vinyl. Uh, certified 12-inch mm. gold record. But it's the second certified uh, gold song in the history of music. Really? Yes. Second. See, see, you know what the first one was? No, I do not. Donna Summers and Barbara Streisand, Enough is Enough. Really? Remember enough that is disc- Enough. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. I can go. We're about to go break yeah. it down. <laughs> Studio 54, open the fuck back up. Me and Curtis coming. Yeah. You know, listen, man. You know, <laughs> did you, after all this, okay, a kid from Harlem. I don't know why I feel this way, but anyone I sit down with, I had to. 
Will you fucking say any stuff? This is like wow. Like meaning like Oh yeah, 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 man. It it's Because a, I'm it, sure money was coming in too, right? It was a dream world. Mm. It was a dream world. It still is basically a dream world, but back then it was like awesome. I'm walking around and you know what I wanted to do? Like I said, I got with the promo department yeah, yeah, and yeah, publicity, sure, sure, sure. Beverly Page. Beverly Page, send me out and let me find my heroes. Mm. I want to meet them and tell them how much I love them and I want to take pictures with them. So she introduced me. She sent me out to um, Hitsville one time over in Detroit. I met Aretha Franklin. Wow. wow. Oh, my God. Sat there. We had lunch mm. together. What did what, what, you, you order? What did you order, bro? Probably some fried chicken or something <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> hey, hey. But, um... <laughs> You know, just being yeah. around her, you know, I, I met the Jacksons. Michael Jackson invited me to a party, one of his parties at the, the uh, Museum of Natural History. Who introduced you to him? Like, how did that? The record company. So, no, I, I had him was do a, it. No, yeah. I know, but there was a, a, a direct person that said, hey, Michael, meet Curtis. Like, was that like that or you just went up to him? Right. No, the two record companies got together and, and they, you know, put together a, a, like a, a promotion. Where we could go out. Like one time, I, I I did a promotion with Prince one time, right? Man, you're blowing my so mind So listen, right listen. I'm sitting up in a club with Prince. We're together, right, sitting here. And we're, we have this promotion, big promotion. All the people coming to get autographs from Curtis Blow and Prince. Prince signed a thousand autographs and I signed maybe four. Mm. That's how hot he was. Mm. Prince was a master. I'm talking about this guy and a really a good guy too because of the biggest song I ever produced. The, my most meaningful song is is uh, the Martin Luther King song I did called King Holiday. Mm -hmm. And um, when we got finished with that song, you know, everybody was on it. Whitney Houston, sure. uh, uh, Stephanie Mills, Tina Marie, rest in peace. And um, New Edition, Menudo. So when we got finished... We needed to make a video. Prince paid for the video. Mm. 90 grand. Back in those days, that was like... That was like 900 grand. That's like 900 grand right now. Right. And so he put up the money for the video for the Fuck. Martin Luther King Foundation. And wow. What a guy, man. That, that's, that's, that's love. You know what I'm saying? That's a real person supporting, you know, mm. a real important... Project. You know, was mom uh, is mom still alive, or was was mom around to see some of the is that? Was did she ever like get the chance to see you perform like that? Yeah, my mom just passed away last October, uh, last April. Rest in but peace. um, yes, she she was there for a lot of it. Yes, yes, I had her by my side. Mm. As a matter of fact, when they gave me a street sign up in the Bronx, and she right, was right, with right. me on the whole parade and everything. Oh, come yeah. on. Yeah, man. I, I love my mom. My mom was my favorite. You know, she, she made it happen for her brother. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And um, so I miss her dearly. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you know, in the, you know, we're playing basketball. The oh. breaks, right? Yep. Well, actually, we didn't get to play. We're playing basketball, right? We didn't get to that yet. <laughs> that was, don't even tell me that was the third song. 
No, no, that okay. was 84. Okay, I was yeah, going to say, because like if you went three for three, I was going to be like, hey, Curtis, uh, No, we had a me. flop. <laughs> but, no. but, man, no, listen. No, 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 let me stop saying well, that. Billy Bill, you did not make a flop. <laughs> we'll, we'll move over to flops. You know, you, you know, some of those songs, I mean, that, that played on, on movies, right? Right. That played on, uh, what's, what, what, please remind me where uh, we're playing basketball played on. Didn't it play on a, a sitcom or something? Oh, they had, they had, they had commercials. Yes. Remember Lil' Penny? Yeah, Penny yes, Hardaway, yes. remember that? That was nice. Now you uh, get now you get royalties from that, right? Oh yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 these are the breaks. Wasn't uh, didn't they play that? Didn't they just do something? Um, it did one season, I believe, but on um, the breaks. Right? Did they? Use, oh, VH1. Yeah. yeah, did, yeah did, they the use, breaks. did they use anything? Uh, oh, that was something else. And I never really went after them. But I just met the executive director, Dan Charnas, and we're working together. Dan Charnas so, is a beautiful uh, soul. Great guy, right? Yeah. Now he is. He is. So, I'm sure if they if they fucked up, Dan get it right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's uh, okay. Now that's Dan okay. Charnas is uh, somebody who uh, is another piece of the puzzle. That but I was speaking about. about basketball, you know. Um, that goes all the way back to my stepdad. Remember, I said the, yes. the good things, and some good things, some bad things. But he, he went. I remember being two, three years old, sitting on his lap, and he was a sports fanatic, right? So every year since I was born, 1959, every year the Knicks were playing mm. uh, at the end of playoffs and finals, and here come this this guy, you know, named. Bill Russell mm. and 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 the Boston Celtics and they would just beat the Knicks down every year. So that's actually I'm three, four, five. Every year Boston's winning. You know, eleven championships Bill Russell runs. So I'm growing up in this and and my stepdad, he's you know, he's a Knicks fan. So he loves Willis Reed. I, I love Walt Frazier, right? That's my man. And 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 but he's cursing out the Celtics every year, every playoffs, because the Celtics are kicking the Knicks' butt, right? And so he was a sailor, cursed like a sailor. That's sure. where I learned how to curse, right? But the 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 great thing about it was the fact that I learned to love sports. I became a sports fanatic, and I read the paper backwards so I can get all the stats and everything. That's what he did, right? Mm. But I remember when Bill Russell retired in 1968. I was like, yay, right? I knew the Knicks were going to win it. But he came back as the first African-American player and coach in 1969 and won the championship again. Mm. Mm. And me and my stepdad, we're sitting watching this, pulling our hair out. You know, here's Bill Russell kicking our butt. Every year, the first 10 years of my life. You hear me? You ever get a chance to meet Bill Russell? Never met him. Never met okay, him. Good. I met Will Chamberlain. Okay. But um, so in 1969, he retires. And that's when the Knicks won. Mm, mm, that's when mm. Willis Reed got hurt. Remember the then mm-hmm. Walt Frazier scored 34 in that game seven and took out the Lakers, right? And they were playing, Boom. They were playing basketball. That was a great year for New York sports. Not only that, but. We also had Broadway Joe, mm, mm. right? 1969. And the Amazing Mets. Mm. 1969 was a great year for New York. 
You know, you, you, was it, was that your inspiration to make we're playing basketball? Sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. My love. Yeah. yeah, it's my favorite sport. Yeah. You know, even though I play football better. <laughs> Receiver? Um, uh, no, middle quarterback. Line, middle linebacker. Middle linebacker. Dude, defense. Lane to schmack Ooh, it. Really? Forearms. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, actually, my wife. I've been married for 34 years. My wife came up with that idea for basketball. Here's a female. She came to me one day. She said, you know, you know, uh, basketball is your favorite sport. But, you know, they don't have a theme song. Baseball has a theme song. Take me out to the ball. Right. But basketball doesn't. You should do a basketball song. And then I called my buddy up, Billy Bill. Yo, Bill. We got to do a basketball song. Make it all about Dr. J. <laughs> right. So that's when the, where the concept came from. When it came out, did the label push it? Like, did you go to any ball games where people were like, oh really my messing God. with it? Like, where did like players coming up like, oh, fuck with that. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know me with the promotions department. Okay, yes, Again, yes. What's her I'm name? What's her name? Beverly Page. Beverly I'm Page. Like, Yo, Bev, you got to hook me up. So, no, actually, the NBA called me and they had me do. At one time, I was playing cons i was doing concerts at the end of the game like they would have like like two teams who wouldn't draw right and then they would call me in to be the concert after the game like say uh uh dc was playing you know cleveland well not cleveland but somebody else you know and they would have the house half full so they bring me in and we'd sell out so I got to meet Dr. J. Dr. J came to my concert when I was playing Philly and gave me a big hug because mm. the song is basically bigging him up. Sure, you know? sure. And uh, Iceman, I met the, the Iceman. Iceman, George Gervin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. You know, I, I met Clyde Walt Frazier and Stumbling Earl and Pearl. bumbling. Yeah, met um, Kareem. Okay, Kareem. Kareem and Magic. I, yeah. I was out in L.A. at a concert, and they were they came to my concert, and uh, I met Magic. Magic and I are, are still friends. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. What What made you? I know, you know it's funny. Jordan, did, friends with Jordan too. Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Okay, now you say that's Jordan. my dude. How did that happen? Well, you know, Michael Jordan. <laughs> we how did we meet? Oh, Charles Oakley. It was okay. Charles Oakley. So I put I put Michael Jordan in the song and then um so when I met him I met Charles Oakley at the same time and Charles Oakley and I became friends so we used to keep in touch as a matter of fact when he left Chicago to go to New York he called me up oh man you got to give me some numbers I'm going to New York I'm going to New York wow I remember those days that was great so I made this song for Michael Jordan mm-hmm. I wrote a song for him and um, uh, I tried to get them to rap the song. And what happened was they got involved with the playoffs, right? And when they were playing the Lakers. And so uh, I was hanging out at one of the games. And and the press came up to me and said, um, yeah, so what do you think about, you know, Michael Jordan? I was telling him about the song and everything and, you know, how we were hanging out. So what do you think about the Bulls' chances of making it? At that time, I was living in L.A. and I was a Laker fan. 
Big Kareem, Big Magic, mm, James mm, Worthy. Mm, James my, Worthy. Oh, my God. Showtime, all that, yeah. right? These are the, the, the Harlem Globetrotters, you ask me, right? And so uh, I said, well, you know, Mike is, Mike is good, but I don't know what's going to happen when he gets to L.A., if he ever gets here. And so the one reporter, it was a local reporter for L.A. Press, but the news article hit the API mm. and then it went all over viral. It was on the times in Chicago and the daily news in New York. And I'm like, Oh my God, Michael Jordan got wind of it. Mm. Found out, you know how he is. He's like, you look, if you're not with me, you must be yeah. against me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now we got a problem here, but I'm just a fan. And you know what happened when they got to LA, mm. they beat LA. Mm. So, he definitely, you know, made me have to swallow my words. You know, <laughs> you know, from a, a a young kid from Harlem, your journey has uh, been quite amazing. You know, when you think about it, you traveled the world, passport stamps are like crazy from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seen the world, man, seen the world. You know, when we grew up in, uh, you know, I, I think of myself, uh, you know, I'm, I'm younger than you, but I, I, you know, I remember uh, going to the city. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn. Go, go, going to the city, taking the train to the city was like a vacation. We got out of that train station, came upstairs, and I was like, wow. So right. when I able got a chance to go to like Mexico and you know uh, uh, went to London or went to like Dominican Republic or I went to Jamaica, I was blown away. And I still, honestly, to be you know, be honest with you, try to continue to keep myself uh, humble from where uh, you know I once was. I may not have everything uh, uh, you know I, I want, but I got everything I need. And, right, amen. And, yeah, and and you know sometimes like you know we look at journeys that, like yours and it's, it's special. Do you remember getting like your first big check? Did that like did you know what the Ooh, hell yeah. to do with it? You know like do we. You know, I I feel like either either you either there's two things somebody does when we when we grow up with nothing really, either you blow it on some dumb shit, right, or you hold on to that shit so like you know tight, and then you try to figure out a couple of things. Did you invest your money young, or did you do it? You know, did you do mm, it? Well, for me, it was more like uh, well, the check was only thirty seven thousand. Okay, right, but at that time, I at mean, that time, it was a lot. Yes. Yeah. But um, for me, it was more about doing, being smart. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to save it, but I, w- I was getting this flack from Russell. See, what happened, Russell took a leave of absence. Once we got our, our, our first check, he took a leave of absence from college, <laughs> right? And the man needed 23 credits to graduate. Now, I'm a year younger. I'm, well, I'm a, I was a junior, so I needed about maybe 50 or 60. So I didn't, I'm not dropping out. I'm like, Russell, look, I don't care how much money we have. This is not enough. I'm going to get my career. I'm going to get my degree. And I, I, I definitely am not leaving school. Not yet. You know, when the break sold 840,000 copies was when I took a leave, mm. you know. But I was very, very, very serious. So the money to me really didn't phase me that much. Yeah, it was good. It was, I was happy. Yes, of course, amazed. But I was too caught up in never forgetting where I came from. Mm. Always wanted to look out for my people. You know, 
I hired Russell, you know, uh, as my manager. Hired my my other buddy from elementary school as my staff writer, you know, helping me out with lyrics and you know, just 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 being uh, a blessing to all my friends that that were around me during that time. And Jay Z said something like this: it, You know, you can have a lot of money, but you know, uh, what does it mean when the people around you ain't got no money? You're the only one that got money. Yeah, yeah, I remember saying that. You know that, what I yeah. mean? You know, you got to hook your people up. That is classic. You know what? Let's take a quick break. We're sitting here with the legendary Curtis Blow, okay? And we ain't Amen. playing basketball. Hey. We're we doing a podcast. <laughs> Be right back. Cheer. Hey, this is the R-O-X-A-N-N-E. And if you want premium, and I'm not talking regular, if you want premium, you know it costs more, get on the Premium Pete Show. Please believe it, baby. Internets, we already told you this episode is brought to you by Bevel. But let me give you a little bit more information about Bevel, if you don't know. Bevel is the first and only end-to-end shaving system designed for a consistently smooth, irritation-free shave. Okay? I'm telling you right now, dermatologists recommend it, clinically tested to help reduce and prevent vaser bumps, discoloration, and irritation. Over 90% of Bevel users notice improvement in their skin and razor bump reduction. Okay? Bevel's a good look. Level up your grooming routine with the Bevel Shave System today. Check out getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Promo will be automatically applied at checkout. You get 20% off your next shipment. Again, that's getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Internet, if I ever did anything for you, if you ever fucked with any of the premium Pete shows, okay, head on over to getbevel.com forward slash Pete and support. Cheer. And we're back. Same here with my guy, Curtis Blow, the yep. one, the one and only. Uh, you know, one thing I'm really, really excited that you're going to be involved in, okay? And we got a special treat by having my man Rocky is... First of all, you know what? Without me even saying anything, Rocky, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Man, you know, tell people what they could look forward to in the year 2022. Okay. So, uh, we we are going to open... The official museum of hip hop, mm, mm. the Universal Hip Hop Museum, which breaks ground next year, 2019, and then you know we uh, plan to open in 2022. And that's in the Bronx. In the Bronx, it will be located at 65 East 149th Street, which is about five blocks north of Yankee Stadium. Mm, mm. And and how did south, south. South, south, and, and and how did. Uh, Curtis, like, how, how does somebody like Curtis, I mean, obviously, it makes sense from many people, many, and, and, and I'm going to go back one more time to the puzzle. Many people are the puzzle to be involved in this. Mm. So what is, what, 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 Curtis, what is your, um, you know, um, position in the, in the museum? Well, um, I, I uh, found out about, about the museum that uh, Rocky was working on, and um, I had to be a part of it because it's, it's such... Uh, in, an important project for hip hop. Sure. Uh, uh, not only my legacy, my history. Sure. You know that are going to be for my children and my children's children and their children. Mm. You know, but there are so many others like 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 me that deserve it as well. And like you said, the pieces of the puzzle. You know, we need to get those pieces of the puzzle sure. in one place. And one bricker, sure. brick and mortar location, yeah. so that we can tell this history for and, the and, world and to appreciate see. it, and, yeah. and take time to 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 so the legacy mm-hmm. forever stays alive. Rocky, how does something like this happen? Like, well, 
this is not the first attempt to try to build a museum for hip hop. You know, there's been several other attempts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the National Museum of Hip Hop, and then there was the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. So, Universal Hip Hop Museum is not the first attempt to get a museum off the ground for hip hop, but we're the only one that is actually prevailing. And when I say prevailing, in the sense that we actually have a development team, we have the approval from the city of New York, we raised $20 million Mm, from mm, the mm. state and the city. Uh, You know, we have a great executive team, Curtis Blows, our chairman. Mm. Uh, We have a great architectural design team. So uh, we have uh, a firm called Hamilton Anderson Associates. They're out of Detroit. Uh, they're actually working on the expansion of the Motown Museum. Uh, they're working with Mike Ford, who's the hip-hop architect. And, you know, so uh, we're working in conjunction with a lot of great people to bring this project to fruition. Mm. Uh, you know, so my background, Curtis knows, I started as a DJ way back in the early 70s. I had my own record company. I work with some of the top producers, Teddy Riley, Dallas Austin, Ellie mm. Reed. Mm. Legendary. So, yep. So, you know, what what I'm doing is nothing really special. It's just that we were able at the you know, we were at the right time at the right place, uh, to bring a concept and have people actually believe in it and then finding a development opportunity that allowed us to actually find the perfect location to actually say that this is where the museum is going to be located. So all those things have to fall into the right place at the right time. And it's, you know, the, just the, the universe was on our side. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, uh, who are some other people that are involved as far as like, you know, Curtis Blow is the chairman. Who, who, who are some other people do you have? So uh, we have uh, Ed Young. He was one of the uh, founding owners of the Source magazine. Uh, we have uh, Deidre Tate. She worked with Belle Biv DeVoe. She's a record executive. Uh, she worked. She was president of the Flavor Unit for for a short period of time. Uh, we have Big Daddy Kane. He's mm. he's a supporter. Rakim is a supporter. Uh, we got uh, a lot of different artists that are donating to our archives and our collection. So you know we we have a lot of people. Ice T is involved. He's okay. been involved Shout from the very very beginning. Uh, now. Uh, Curtis is talking to Chuck D and, and mm, Dougie Fresh mm, about mm. getting involved. So, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. You know what I would also like to see? And, I mean, obviously uh, this is something to come. Um, but, um, you know, especially in podcasting, I would love to see uh, somehow, some way, uh, my brother, uh, Combat Jack, uh, celebrated. Because I feel like audio-wise, he, uh, you know, he put, like, how, how people like Curtis uh put you know history on wax um i feel like uh combat put that uh you know the reason why i say that for i would love for his family to visit that opening and uh see the archives or somehow whatever i'm just putting it out there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th- there's no question so you know what we're doing now in the what we call the development stage of building this museum we have a great bunch of people who are contributing ideas and sure. and research. A lot of research is going into, you know, documenting the the origins of hip hop, 
not just the stories that everyone knows, because, you know, we know the story of Kuhark, we know the story of Flash, sure. we know the story of Africa, Bambada, and the Zulu Nation, and all the people like Curtis Blow and Sugar Hill Gang. But there are so many other pieces of hip-hop, the graffiti artists, sure. the break sure. dancers, sure. right? The fashion designers, mm, mm. you know, um, the DJs, you know, yeah. like myself and other people whose stories you may not have heard about. Radio. Right. Radio. <laughs> Radio podcasters. Podcasters. Yeah. The people behind the scenes, the publicists, sure, sure. the marketing people. Sure. Promoters, record label right? promoters. Wow. The concert promoters. The club mm-hmm. promoters. The clubs. God damn. You know, you think the about clubs. it. clubs. Wow. Man. You know, so, I mean, hip-hop has really touched so many different aspects of pop culture, American culture, mm. and global culture that, you know, it's going to be... Not a cha- not difficult, but it's definitely a challenge to make sure all those stories are told in the proper light, you know. But with a museum that is dedicated to the preservation and celebration of hip hop, we are bringing the best of the best people together to make sure that we are able to deliver it to the people who are going to be coming to this museum from all around the world to experience a hip hop museum. There's nothing like it. True, and you and know? it's special. Mm-hmm. And, and it's special, so we're we're going to be relying heavily on augmented reality and mixed reality, you know, all kind of technology. So when people come in there, they get a a unique experience of hip hop. Because just like you said in the very beginning, there's so many people who may not know Curtis Blow, may not have seen what Curtis Blow has brought to hip hop. But just being able to put them back in time True. Experience and, it. and experience it in a very unique kind of way. Mm. So we want this museum to be accessible from not just the people our age who, you know, have been around hip hop for over 45 years, but for those grandparents and those children and, you know, you know, my wife and my son and hopefully his son and his children's children will be able to come to this museum and really see the complete evolution of hip-hop from day one up until where we are today. Mm. Where can people find out more info about this? So, they, you know, we have a great website. You know, it's, it's www.uhhm.org. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter page. We have Instagram. You know, but the main thing is, you know, just... You know, if you want information about the museum, they could go, you know, they could send an email to info at uhhm.org and we'll make sure that people get all the latest information. We publish a monthly newsletter, you know, so there's thousands of people that subscribe to our newsletter uh, just to, you know, make sure that they stay updated. You know, I, I get phone calls every day from people who think the museum is actually open right now. Mm. You know, and they're like, we're here in the Bronx and we want to go, you know, we want to go visit the museum. We're not open yet. <laughs> come know? back, come back in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, it's it's something that people are uh, anxious to, you know, to go see. And uh, it's just exciting to be part of this whole development because Curtis knows, you know, when we first started five years ago, going on six years now, you know, we were looking at all different kind of locations. So the location that we have now is not our wasn't our first you know we were trying to look at the kingsbridge armory up in the west bronx and then we were looking at some other locations the old bronx county courthouse and then this location 
really just fell in our lap because a developer was, you know, uh, you know, was going to su- submit a proposal to the city of New York, and they were looking for a hip hop museum. They didn't know if one existed, so they type hip hop museum in Google. And up comes Universal Hip Hop Museum. Mm. So the guy says, "Oh wow, there's a hip hop museum. Let's call these guys and see where they are, with their you know, with building you know a building or having a location." So when the guy called me up from L and M Development Partners and asked, you know, if we were still looking for a location, I was like, you know, actually we are. And then when he told me about what they were getting ready to propose to the city of New York, and he told me their location, I was like, this this is like heaven sent sure, sure. this is straight from God you know because having a location that is right on the Harlem River waterfront on the Bronx side not too far from Yankee Stadium so surrounded by all the mass transit lines so it's accessible to everybody it's a dream come true for hip hop yeah this is gonna be man 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 it's gonna be a couple of years but I will say this is something that I think myself and many people should be very excited to experience. You know, it's funny when you say that. You know, we go to an aquarium. You know, you go to a museum, you know. And, well, I don't want to say aquarium and museum. I'm saying you go to a museum. And you go there with the hopes of, one, just, you know, admiring and experiencing. Sometimes people go to things not just to go to them, to experience it. And I look forward to 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 living that, you know, from being somebody who's been around so much of uh, uh, stuff. Can, can and, you can you imagine being able to see what hip hop was like before hip hop was sure, recorded? Sure. Can you imagine going to see all of the songs that Curtis Blow produced, not just for himself, but for the Fat Boys and sure. for other artists? And can you imagine being able to be in the room with Biggie and Tupac and listening to you know? To the good side and the bad side, can you imagine being able to be in the room with Jay Z and Eminem and Kendrick Lamar and Drake, and have that all in one room? Sure. You know, one facility where you could walk from the very beginning of hip hop to where hip hop is today. Sure. And get a complete understanding of not just the music, but how the music impacted politics. Sure. Mm. Impacted motion pictures. Impacted radio. Impacted Fashion. Fashion, magazines, sure. advertising, mm-hmm. mechanical engineering. The motherfucking world. Hip-hop has taken over. And the crazy thing is at one point in time, people thought it was a fad. Right. No doubt. Yep. So it, it's, it's so exciting. I, you, know, you know, we do a lot of conference calls with our sure, team. Sure, sure. And I keep reminding our team because, you know, you got to inspire them sometimes. Like just just understand that all of you guys are working on hip hop's most important project. Mm, right, mm. there is nothing more important than this music. Mm, mm. I'm excited. Listen, Rocky, man. Uh, you know, I actually want you to come back from time to time um, over the years while it's getting developed to keep everybody updated. You know, keep people knowing what you know, basically what's going on and and, and what's happening. I'm really excited, man. One more time for people or uh, the website where they can check it out. So uh, it's Universal Hip Hop Museum. It's www.uhhm.org. Mm. Rocky, appreciate you, man. We'll see you soon. You know, you know what, Curtis? We, we I'm so excited that the, you know you got Rocky to come on and 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 tell people about the hip hop museum. You know, and and it it took away a little bit of like the history of 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 what we were going over with you, uh-huh. but it brought everything into one. 
Oh, but you know, Rocky was being modest. Yeah, I know, I know. This guy's a legend. He, he didn't want to brag a little. But I, you know what? He's got a job he's doing, and that job is bigger than himself. I remember seeing him in 1976, and I was 17. Got into this club called the Superstar Cafeteria. Mm. Now, the Superstar Cafeteria was huge. It held like 2,000 people, 2,300, right? And so we're there. New Year's Eve, this is a big party. And, and the headliner was Pete D.J. Jones, okay? He was my hero during mm. that time, like who mm. Herc, mm -hmm. both of them. I love them both. And so I'm going down to spend my New Year's, you know, at the Superstar Cafeteria, all the fly girls there. We got silk dresses and suits and ties mm -hmm. and the big disco ball and the mirrors and the lights and everything's flashing. I get there about, <clears throat> I don't know, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. This guy is six foot four. Yeah. Guy's behind the turntable spinning. And he has a crew. And his name was like plastic. And I saw him for the first time. It's like... Cool DJ Rock and the Come Off crew. Mm, mm. And I was a fan ever since, man. These guys lit the place up. I mean, I didn't even care about PDJ Jones at mm, 12 o'clock. Mm. It was like, wow, these guys are doing their thing. And 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 they had that that style. I mean, it was real hip hop, but it was classy. It was it was it was like you know, in a club with suits and dresses and, 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 and silk dresses and ties and everything. But we were getting down and he's playing the, the real hip-hop music that inspired the rap music sure. of today. Sure. They kept incredible, them, incredible. They kept Never moving. forget it, Rock. You the man. Rock, we look forward to this museum, man. We look forward to this museum, my man. Our executive director, he works harder than anybody. I got a shout out to uh, Adam Silverstein. I thought he played also, for the Knicks. I thought he played for the Knicks, Rock. Yeah, look at this guy, man. Tall. <laughs> All right, Rock. We'll talk to you, Rock. <laughs> All right, Rocky. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yo, so Curtis, listen, as we wind this episode down, okay, first of all, uh, I, I really enjoyed this episode, man. I mean, thank you. You know, I, I enjoy, I, I've always enjoyed your, you always have like this upbeat. Uh, personality to you, man. How did you get past like some of the fucked up days, man? Like you know where, where you know, you, you know, shit ain't always right. You know. Well, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. You know that uh, some of those days were were bad. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I've always had this kind of like philosophy or or let's say policy. <laughs> never, never. I try my best not to burn bridges. I have a few. But I've learned from those mistakes, you know, because people don't forget. Like, I remember one time uh, when I first met MC Light, mm. I walked into a club. It was a crowded club and I was getting ready to perform. And she had came. Her dad was there. And, you know, she was really young, maybe about 16, 17. And so maybe even earlier than that, maybe 13 or 14. And I remember they pulled me over to her. Hey, this is MC Light. Look, young girl, she's trying to come up. And I shook her hand. And I was so busy getting ready to go on stage that I just walked away. You know what I mean? And she told me this years later how it affected her, you know. And 
from that point on, I was like, wow, you know, you, you, you have to take the time to be nice to people. That is what's really important about the entertainment industry. And you as an entertainment, your job, your job as an entertainer is to make fee- people feel good when they leave your concert. And, and, and that's very, very, very important. A lot of us get caught up in the me, 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 I, 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 like how much money can I get, you know? Mm. How much drugs can I get? How much, you know, sex can I get? Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's always going to be there, you know. But just to be loved sure. and to show love is more important than all the rest of that. In in the hip hop in the hip hop game, who, who who do you still speak to every day or every once in a while you still speak to? Uh, Flash. I talked to Flash. Okay. Um, Dougie Fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck D. Just started mm-hmm. talking to Chuck again a lot. Um, I'm just I'm just uh, I just met Boosie, Lil really? Boosie. Yeah, yeah. The other day, that's my dog now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that guy. That dude you know? is great, dude, man. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I got some West Coast dudes out there. You know, of course. Um, um, uh, you know, Toddy. Toddy T, rest mm-hmm. in peace, Mixing Master Spade, my whole crew, Dream Team, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the early rappers, you know, Uncle Jam's Army, rest in peace, Roger Clayton, but um, uh, just being around uh, my boy Clientel, who's part of the Uncle Jam's Army, Mark Hawkins, good guy, good guy. Yeah, talk, talk to Run. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if you could do it all over again. You know, mm-hmm. would you change anything? Uh, I don't think I, I I would have burned the bridges I burned. Did you do that on purpose or just because mm. you were not in the right state of mind? I mean, I like, wasn't in the right state of mind. It was like more like anger management, you know, until you can sit down and figure out who you are with a, a, a self-analysis and and um try to fix yourself see uh um we all are a little crazy absolutely <laughs> how did you do that though you know did you go see somebody well see? basically it, it, it's it's more of going back to your own childhood it was self-analysis so i had to go back reach back into my childhood and find out where does this anger come from and i used to always think it was my stepdad cursing out bill russell all the time remember that then he would get drunk on the weekends and beat up my mom right until my brother and i got old enough to kick him out the house that was the bad stuff i was telling you about so all of that violence all of that 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 arguing and yelling and screaming the police is coming to my house every weekend that's all people did around the neighborhoods get drunk over the weekend and fight you know what i mean Thank God we didn't shoot each other, but they were fist fights, you know. And so I grew up out of that. And so I'm ready throwing blows, Curtis Blow, because I'll punch you in your face. Yo, is that how Curtis Blow was named? That's where the name Fuck. comes from. You, yo, Not cocaine. No, dude. No. Is it, the uh, uh, chin check. Yeah. yeah right. yo, you know what's funny, Curtis? I, I usually ask that question at <laughs> the beginning, Curtis. Like, yo, did you have, okay, before Curtis Blow, 
Was there any other names you had that you that you were rolling with? The brain. Okay, okay. <laughs> that the, didn't last long. The Jew. Okay. They called me the Jew. Well, I had I had three hundred dollars in a bank I'm under my bed and my brother called me the Jew. He said, You you just hold on and save your money and and that's what you are. You are about that money. Mm-hmm. So no disrespect to any Jewish uh person out there. Uh, I love all of you guys. Sure? I don't want the JDL to come. No, uh, no, no, no. After me, what is that velvet? But, Listen, <laughs> um, you know, when when you look back at your career, mm-hmm. you know, um, very special. But also, like Rocky was saying, producing also. Right. Run down some of the hits that you uh, also were oh, involved in producing. Uh, it's like that from Run DMC, mm-hmm. Sucker MC, and that's the way my, it is. Yes, "Hard Times" by Run DMC was hip hop's first cover song. Mm, mm. It was my song came that came out in 1981, mm. and they coming. did it. They did it in 1983. Then the Fat Boys, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I love those guys, man. Rest in peace, Buff. Yep, yep. Um, Human Beatbox Master. Uh, working on three albums with them. Uh, Oh, uh, Games People Play was a song I produced. The first song I produced was a song called Games People Play by Sweet G. He was the manager of the Disco Fever, my favorite club. Where were you? Um, where were you? Was this at a studio out of Harlem, or were you doing? No, the city we or? went. We went down Midtown Manhattan. Went to oh, where I recorded Green Street. Roddy Way down yeah. at the Green Street. Now, now, were you one of those guys that like you know? Because every every artist is different, you know. Like some mm-hmm. people like you know stay up to like five, six, seven, eight, nine in the morning in the studio. Mm-hmm. Were you one of those guys that uh, you know zoned out in the studio for ten plus hours? Yeah, man, it, and it became a problem for me. But I, I definitely want to shout out Love Buck Starsky because we did his "You Gotta Believe" yes. at the Fever song. My my best friend, rest in peace, Love Buck. <coughs> But um, yeah, that that was my thing, yeah, and 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 I got burnt out because of that. I actually retired from producing and moved out to California in 1986 after we did the movie Crush Groove. So yes. when we were doing the movie Crush Groove, I was producing three albums during the time: my America album with the song "If I Rule the World," and the Fat Boys album, uh, their second album. And I was doing the soundtrack for the movie Crush Groove. Crush Groove is so classic, man. Right? And so uh, I'm going, I'm burnt out. I'm going to three different studios. I got deadlines. And plus, you know, I'm in the studio, three different studios in a night. And then I have to wake up at 6 o'clock a.m. for the movie call to be on the set. And that was just like too much i did that for three weeks straight mm. and um you know i really got burnt out and that was like too much <laughs> you know curtis um a lot of people um sometimes you know some of the younger generation doesn't get along with the older generation right i feel like in hip-hop sometimes people want to push people out quicker right i always say this barry manuel was still touring nobody is going to his concert no people are sitting around like, yo, get Barry Manilow. What has he done? He's not relevant. No. They go, they support, and they do that. In hip-hop, sometimes I feel like they want to push people out quicker. They don't want to make them as relevant. Meanwhile, while the while I believe, that's why I'm excited for this uh, uh, museum because, you know, right. we should always appreciate 
value and learn from our elder statesmen. You know, um, somebody mm. listening right now, a uh, young kid just getting in the game or, you know, maybe, you know, uh, hit, a couple of, hit, hit a couple of bumps in the road from, the, you know, the game and, 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 and really don't know where to turn. What's some advice you have for them? Well, I think that you're totally right that um, the young kids of today need to be taught if they don't know already that um, your heroes and the people who paved the way for you, you should go back to them and say thank you. Sure, sure. That's only right. And and that was a big part of my thing for my career, like I was telling you, you know. So I had to go to James Brown and let him know, thank you. Thank sure, you for sure. what he you did sure. for us, you know. And, and Jimmy Castor was another one. He was another one of my heroes. I actually, he went to the High School of Music and Arts and he lived like a, a mile, exactly a mile north of me. I live 465 West 140th Street. He lived 465 West 160th Street. And this was the everything man. He played every instrument. He was Prince before Prince, right? Back in the 50s and 60s. So this guy, just studying him. Study your heroes. Mm-hmm. Here is some great advice. Education, 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 research, practical study, classroom into the culture and the culture into the classroom. And what I mean by that is education is simply the acquisition of information, research. Back in the days, we used to have to go to the library two, three, four hours at a time. Now you can ask Siri YouTube tutorial. We live in a world of the matrix. Everything is at our fingertips. You know what I mean? Just like uh, Trinity can fly a helicopter in five minutes. You give me 24 hours and a YouTube tutorial and I'm flying a helicopter. Ah, man. You know what I mean? Probably right. So we have all of this information at our fingertips. So we have no reason, no excuse for being naive or stupid. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the information is there. Just ask Siri. Right? Now, Now, in... Your dreams of whatever you want to do in your life, whatever it is, doctor, lawyer, musician, rapper, study the history of that subject. Study the history of it and pick out within the history one or two people who made it successful. Mm. Study the steps they took to achieve their success. Follow those same, repeat those steps. Repeat those same steps and you too will achieve success. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Curtis, let me tell you, man, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's special, it's special to sit down with somebody with uh, such wisdom, such history, such mileage. You know, uh, do you also invest in anything? Do you have any advice for people investing in in anything? Do you have in, besides just making money on, uh, you know, artistry, do you uh, have any uh, investing, uh, you know, uh, tips or things that people should do? Um, I'll tell you this, um, stem cells. Mm. If you can find out about stem cells and investing in stem cells, you'll be a millionaire because it's the future of medicine. It's the future of, of, of it's, it's, it's like the, the, I was just the Holy Grail, the, 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 the fountain of youth. There it is. Mm. And stem cells is going to replace medicine 
in about 20, 30 years. Mm. I guarantee it. Look into it, man. Gosh, you want to save some lives? You want to add some years on your old folks' lives? Try stem cells. Look Wait. into that. Where can people find you? Are you on? Do you mess with social media like that? You're oh on, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on Instagram. Or? Believe me, yes, yes, all day, every day. What are you? What are you? On there? <laughs> Curtis Blow straight uh, up on Instagram, straight up. Curtis Blow on Twitter. Uh, no, Curtis Blow and the number one on okay. Twitter. Okay. And then uh, Curtis Blow on on Facebook. Okay. Uh, and Curtis Blow Walker. My real name is Walker. My okay. government name. Okay. So Curtis Blow Walker. You, I got a few of those pages. You on all Facebook. over the place. Yes. Listen, yeah. like I like I definitely wanted to. Uh, damn, they blowing you up like they want money from you, man. <laughs> Tell them to call you back later, Curtis. <laughs> Tell them these are the breaks. <laughs> Internet. Listen, the one and only, the legendary, and and I look so forward to his involvement with this hip hop museum being built out in the next couple of years in the Bronx. Yes. Okay. Uh, Curtis Ball, thank you. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Premium P. Yeah. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the Premium Peach Show? Email me at thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com and let's get working. Okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms of the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll see you next episode. Cheer. 